if we get hung up on all of these, you know, these smaller decisions, we're not going to be able to move forward on these bigger ones. And that's really what we need to focus on is moving these much larger, you know, systemic uh, portions, you know, of our society are primarily our energy and the much bigger like food production system as a whole, move that forward, you know, rather than our small individual purchases. It's like, do the best you can, but focus on this bigger change. I like that. That's, a, that's I, we haven't really talked much about the bigger structural change of industry actually kind of with that, but it's really important. This week on Big Feet, we talk about one of these massive systemic industry-wide changes, sustainable banking, and what role it plays in our communities. My name is Ravi Mickelson. I've been in the, the climate fight, this climate change space, for almost 20 years now, since uh, freshman year of college. And I've done a ton of different things in that time, and mostly as an engineer, so materials engineering uh, undergrad, and started off thinking that I would build the technologies to move us off of uh of fossil fuels to a cleaner energy future. And then for the last five years, uh, have been focused on developing technologies and business models around capital deployment so that the technologies that other people build uh, can get deployed much more quickly. Um, capital is the Archimedes lever with climate change. And so I've been doing a few different things. I run a network primarily focused in the Bay Area uh, on climate tech startups and showcasing new technologies, connecting them with capital and all the way from individual angels up through uh, hedge fund and private equity, government and philanthropic capital because climate tech, clean tech as the sector used to be called, uh, requires different types of capital at different stages um, and then my personal startup, uh, which should be announced soon, um, is is focusing on deployment capital um, and drastically reducing the cost of that capital uh, for uh, for for projects. Um, yeah. Awesome. And so, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that is a really good point that, that capitals, what do you call it? The capital is the Archimedes lever in the climate fight. Can you break that down for me a little bit? Like, I mean, why is it more of a lever in like climate and clean tech and clean energy sort of type of stuff than it is in like, in like fossil fuel, right? Well, it, yeah. So there's, I mean, you know, again, it, there's so many different layers and we can go all into the weeds here, but yeah. so, you know, and that's sort of on the project deployment side. And then there's additional, it's like, okay, if you give funding on the innovation side, you know, you might be able to take somebody from having to, you know, work on, you know, some new clean energy technology on nights and weekends to full time. And then you don't, you, you know, it's hard to model out, innovation. You mm. just don't know when it's going to come, when that result is going to be where we jump from, you know, 10 to 20% efficiency on solar cells when, um, 
drilling technology for geothermal is going to, you know, reach this the point where it becomes economical. So there's all these different things, and then there's scaling those technologies up. Mm-hmm. Um, on the fossil fuel side, because it's a more mature industry, because the scale is so much bigger, the cost of capital there is much lower. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because their tax and other subsidies from the government are also a hundred plus years old that they're basically just they're permanently baked into the system versus the subsidies on the renewable energy side have been you know okay here's five years here's two years here's three years here's seven years here's five years and that variability causes uncertainty within the market which leads to higher financing costs. If hmm. you can only model out a few years, you say, okay, well, here's the risk. If, and you, you look at the, you know, the EIA modeling and basically, you know, fossil fuels just has this sort of continuous line versus every, you know, every model that the EIA does, it, it, it goes up and then they say, okay, in, you know, 2016, 20, the the you know the ITC stops and so then it becomes flat or decreases. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now 2020, okay, it goes up and it stops. 2022, it goes up, stops. 2020, like all of these little jumps, hmm. they, they sort of assume you know flattened or decreased growth when those subsidies stops, and that's what sort of the market see, and you get that risk sort of post ending of those tax credits because mm-hmm. they've been so pivotal to the economics of these projects gotcha. and and without that without the certainty um and, and you need some sort of you know uh the truth in pricing of what something is going to cost or be worth to you know adequately model that out then you say okay with our risk adjusted return we want we you know we'll give you a loan at Two percent, three percent, five percent, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and now, um, yeah, you can come back from that. So with fossil fuels, now these you know fifty-year uh, plants and pipelines and mines, etc., they have had very low cost of capital. But what we're seeing is as we're transitioning now, solar and wind have reached a scale globally that it's the cheapest form of new energy on the planet and utilities and independent power producers are putting these in just because it's the cheapest option. It's the better option. There we go. Um, and so it's reached a manufacturing and deployment scale where the cost of capital there has, you know, as, starting to reach parity in some places, maybe not, but what you're, what we're seeing, even if it's not at parity, that the cost of, you know, the, there's the risk cost for fossil fuel plants like coal, all these big banks are saying, we're not going to fund coal anymore. We're not going to fund, you know, oil drilling in the Arctic. You know, these are, these the are, switch, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really those are like penny ante, um, stakes this is not they're not really coming in yet it's like okay all fossil fuels there's still a lot of money flowing in yeah um if you look at the rainforest action network um for this last year 
you know, for the last, the three years prior, it was something like six hundred billion dollars um, was uh, was funded by the big, you know, the big four banks, mm. which is Chase, B of A, Wells Fargo, and Citi. Mm. Um, and now, you know, Chase alone did sixty-five billion for last year in sort of the extreme. Uh, fossil fuels, which is in this rainforest action network network report. Yeah. Um, so it's called banking on climate change and everyone should look at that. Definitely. We'll take um, a peek. And I guess it's, it's, it's yeah. tough cause it's, it's, I mean, fossil fuel energy, um, like you kind of pointed out before we, uh, started talking, um, is really deeply ingrained in our daily life. Right. Um, right. you were, you were telling me that, you know, before the interview to consider, like this, this, this psycho- psychology and, 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 or, uh, or psych- yeah, psychology and financial and logistics behind like what it would actually take to remove that. And it, cause it, it really is pervasive. It really is everywhere in our lives. You know, and focusing on the personal action. So all that previous talk was about these, you know, big projects and large amounts of capital. And I like to focus on what each individual can do. Mm-hmm. And so I, in one of my monthly newsletters in this essay I wrote last fall, um, it was about sort of the five biggest steps a person can take. But basically it's vote, you know, move your money out of, um, move your, move your money out of, uh, you know, basically fossil fuel, you know, funding industries, banks, insurance, and investment. Um, it's, you know, you know, to get energy from the sun or other renewable energy sources, um, electrify your home and electrify your transportation or decarbonize it by biking and walking. Um, so it's, those are the big five things that, that we each can do. Mm. Um, you know, then if I was going to add a sixth one, I would say, you know, eat more plants. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have to go hundred percent vegetarian or vegan, but if, you just eat more plants and slightly less meat. That's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm personally vegetarian, but that's not where I focus, you know, my education and, uh, activism on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so I also wanted to like talk about, so you do, so with climate link, you do a lot of, um, would you call it community building activism? What sort of space would you describe that in yeah i'm i'd say it's more community building and education than activism mm-hmm. with climate link i mean it's a it's a meetup and a network and we you know it's a lot of welcoming and introduction mm-hmm. um so there are folks like myself who've been it for a very long time swarnov they're at Touchlight, who's you know built products and has been working on this for a while. But then there are people who come from other tech companies that are you know consumer focused and like I've been working uh, on ads or social media or photography and all these other things, and I want to do something to directly you know have a positive impact on the planet, on our environment. Mm-hmm. What can I do? And so they'll come to one of our meetups and they'll hear a talk on you know, software for grid controls or creating robots that can, um, you know, help 
reduce pests without chemicals in agricultural fields or control water so we're not wasting water. Yeah. So um, that being sort of your goal, I mean, so how would you, um, I guess, how would you describe the importance of community in fighting climate change and transitioning off of fossil fuels? Like, like what role does that play in this? Yeah, there's a few, there's a few ways. Um, one, like we live in communities and we need to support each other. And this is not about saving penguins, but about, you know, saving us. It's the habitability of our planet and there will be bands that are always you know temperate and good and all this but as our climate zone shift we're gonna you know people are going to be disproportionately affected we'll have migration we'll have greater conflict so it's about you know preserving our way of life on this planet and mm. the livability of this planet for us and so we need to remember that and we need to you know, help each other out and our families out. And so there's that aspect of it. It is, you know, the community and it's like this local and global community yeah. that we need to take care of. And the other is about, you know, education and sort of social proofing. It's like, okay, they've shown that if, if there's one solar system, you know, the, once the first solar system goes into a neighborhood, then that is likely to, you know, um, be copied sort of within, you know, uh, a couple of times over hmm. within like a half mile radius. People see it, it becomes normalized. Yeah. Um, so it's there's kind of like the neighbor that, that gets a Tesla and then everyone in exactly. the neighborhood is curious about mm -hmm. it and trying it out and test driving and everything, yeah. right? Same thing with solar panels. Yeah. That's interesting. And I guess same thing with solar panels, same with, you know, um, so like when I got a diesel vehicle, uh, in college and started, you know, putting biodiesel in it and talking to people about it, mm. um, I, I constantly heard it's like, you know, I never saw diesel vehicles on the road, but now I see them everywhere. And it's like, when I got a Nissan Leaf, the first one in 2011, you know, it's like V1, <laughs> people are like, oh, now I see them everywhere. And, and I that's see, a, oh, here's this EV. And you like, really do see those uh, ones. They're very distinctive on the road. Yeah. Exactly. But it's, it's, you know, once it enters our consciousness, then we can start seeing it more. We recognize mm. it. And, and, and so there's that part of it. And then, you know, educating each other, helping each other out, yeah. um, this collective action. So there's, uh, you know, there's a, a, a movement called stop the money pipeline. And it's about getting people to move their money out of, you know, Chase Bank. Um, and we want to, you know, like Tesla has done, they've all accelerated, you know, their own development of EVs. Mm. And so there is this movement to shift capital out of the big banks. You know, we move our deposits out of the big banks, you know, and, and we focus on deploying that capital towards these renewable energy projects. And if you can't tell, this is what I'm working on. And, you know, so mm -hmm. we will be, you know, giving a place for people to move their deposits to hopefully soon. And once that happens, it's like, we get enough of that capital moved out. We'll get these big banks 
to, you know, reach that end state, which we want, which is yeah. them to say, okay, we're not going to fund any fossil fuels anymore. Um, we're going to, you know, only focus on this transition. Um, you know, metallurgical coal is going to be very difficult. Process heat, there's a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, electric vehicles, you know, easy. Rooftop solar, easy. But there's a lot of difficult things in there too. And we have to figure that out. And we're doing that as we go. Yeah. And we have to take, again, community. Like there are still, you know, millions of people that work in the fossil fuel industry in the, around the world. There are people that go into mines and, you know, they dig up coal and that's how they take care of their family. And that's how, you know, we've gotten to where we are is the progress that has been made has been on the fossil fuel economy. And we need to take care of the people that still work in that industry and get them to transition. Mm. Um, as you know, oil has declined um, and, you know, people have, who've been worked on oil rigs and drilling have lost their jobs. Well, geothermal has, you know, risen in, in its potential. Mm. And so their, you know, geothermal companies are, are hiring oil workers, offshore wind companies, um, the, the, the same people who built and installed offshore oil platforms are going to be the same people who are the experts and are going to lead on offshore wind platform development. Hmm. And so this, you know, let's bring them in. Yeah. And I guess, so you see the beginning of this transition, it starts with, I guess, people moving their capital choosing and pressuring banks and financial institutions to not, uh, make these uh, investments into fossil into the fossil fuel industry. Exactly, and there will be so on the banking side, on the insurance side, on the investing side. Um, so the in two thousand and six, the UN launched the principles for responsible investing. Since then, you know, it's essentially gone from maybe a few hundred million or billion at that time to a $50 trillion asset under management uh, industry globally. Um, And this past year, they launched the principles for responsible banking. Mm. And so now banks, and there were, you know, uh, 131 signatories of these global banks representing roughly one third of the total assets um, which I believe was $47 trillion uh, represented. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's all about ESG, environmental, social, and governance. How do we be more transparent? How do we, um, you know, so some of those banks are now including a sort of climate or carbon price in their loans. It's like, we're talking, okay, very slow ramp up, but like this is happening and there are laggards and they're going to, to lose out. But so there, you know, so on the banking side, and we're also going to see more competitors there. You know, if you work in climate tech, but you own, you know, an S&P index, uh, you know, shares in an S&P index fund, you are, you know, owning and funding fossil fuels there. And so we need to solve that. So if I like don't want my money going to fossil fuels, right? I, it, it, you know, I, you know I, have, yeah. I have a little bit of money in the bank, right? I'm not doing any 
big, huge stock investments or anything, and especially not now. Um, but um, like, if if I don't want any sort of piece of my money going towards these things, what can I do right now to prevent that? So, like the the what's available right now is primarily you know your local banks and credit unions, which fund things within the local community. That's where you know community comes in once again. So if you go to one of these local community banks or credit unions, your money will likely you know, not go to fossil fuels other than help perhaps you know, providing uh, a loan for somebody to buy a car, which is likely to be a, an internal combustion engine vehicle right now. But at least if they're buying a new car, hopefully more efficient than the one they used to have. Exactly. Um, or maybe it's actually an electric car. So, okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So, so, there's, so there's that. Local credit unions and banks. Okay. There's a couple of, um, you know, all like neobank or alternative non-banking startups. Um, I mean, there's specifically the Clean Energy Credit Union um, based out of Boulder. And, you know, so our startup, um, you know, will hopefully be providing a solution here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, you know, we're going to need several solutions here. Um and the thing is, it's like, it's not easy yet. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's what we want to do is make it easy for people. Yeah. Um, but so right now, I'd say, you know, go to your local bank or credit union and also, you know, follow along um, and hopefully we'll be provided, you know, it's like drop me a note, um, mm-hmm. sign up and uh, we'll let you know when we can you know, provide you with a fossil, fossil fuel free banking solution. Love it. Yeah. Once you get that up and running, I think it'd be, it'd be be great to have you on to get more into the weeds with banking. Sure thing. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do a follow up. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. where are we right now and what do we need to see as far as community action and, and, uh, to get from where we are now to where we want to be, which is, I guess, climate neutral, right. (laughs) And not having a climate crisis. Yeah, or regenerative, like um, yeah. Instead of just neutral, let's let's make it cyclical. Whatever make it, solution, make it. Make it yeah. yeah, I mean, so let's you know make it uh, as one. I heard one person you know say that you know the the health of the planet and the, the the livability. It's like gets better by our presence here on the planet, mm. and, and and what we need. Um, it really, it comes down to in the U S probably, you know, like I said, sort of the, these, these top five choices, these top five personal actions that people can take that will lead to systemic change. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. Um, the, the personal actions of refusing, you know, plastic or something like that, or a straw while great is not going to do a ton. It's mm. not going to do a lot, but if, you know, we make sure that everyone gets out and votes. And not only that, we understand the issues and we vote for, you know, local, state and federal, you know, our leadership that continue to move us in their direction. Right now, like with this um, recovery bill that's that's gone through Hmm. with you know, the money that the federal government is going to be spending with the state governments that are going to be spending. Let's make sure, let's speak with our leadership to make sure that that money goes towards 
you know, projects that move us in this, you know, future direction. We mm. want these technologies that, you know, are beneficial to our future and are not just propping up the past. Hmm. Yeah. I, so I guess, I guess the, the, the root of it kind of, right, is to get people to start making these calculations and just to start thinking about their actions and their impact of that. And I mean, just bringing it back to where we were kind of earlier as well. Like you were saying, you know, one person gets solar on their roof and, or someone gets a Tesla and all the neighbors and everyone else, you know, in their network kind of sees and looks over at that and it starts to kind of spread. So by, I guess, taking that a step further, right? It's, you know, starting to do these calculations and starting to ride to work instead of this, you're starting to bike instead of drive like that, just our actions and being involved in our community can lead to compound that and make, and, and inspire more people to do it. Right. Is, is kind of, I guess what you're getting at is, is that right? Would you say? Exactly. And you know, some of these complex, you know, these calculations are complex and I don't expect everyone to, you know, become, energy or financial experts mm -hmm. but if you understand the crux and then you come to resources you know like like me like my startup like your startup we're we're building you know the trusted advisors mm -hmm. for people um and we say okay here, here's how you, you know here's how you walk through this calculation here's here are the things to know and you know we can meet people where they are Rather than say, oh, you should do as I did because I'm holier than thou. But mm -hmm. we say, look, what are your goals? It's like, okay, um, maybe I can bike, you know, one day a week. Oh, I have to drop my kid off at school. And then rather than go all the way home and get my bike and do this and take an extra hour, I'm going to just, you know, just drive the extra two minute, you know, do the two minute drive from kid's school to, the parking lot next to the public transportation and then do that. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, let's all do the best that we can mm. where we are with what we have. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what's going to create this better future for all of us. Not just a few of us, you know, being absolutely perfect. And then everybody else being stopped because we have this, you know, gateway. Oh, if you're not doing a hundred percent, you're not allowed in. It's like, well, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, let's say somebody is, you know, they physically can't bike to work or walk. It's like, well, okay, let's, you know, what's the best for them? Yeah. Like it took me, you know, I was, I was hit by a car in 2010 and it took me many years to be able to like physically and psychologically get back on a bicycle. Hmm. Like, um, and so I had to overcome those things to ride again. Um, and still I'm super cautious. So it's, it is, I, I feel it is a privilege to be able to bike to work and I want to, and I you know, protect that. And I, um, I, I want to, you know, be cognizant of not everyone can, yeah. and I want to help them to do the best that they can where they are with what they have. Nice. Ravi. Thank you so much for coming on and good luck on the startup. Yes. The Rainforest Action Network report banking on climate change. I'll, I'll put that link in the description. Yeah. So let's send you that. And then also uh, a link for our newsletter. Yeah. It's also bit.ly forward slash climate link news. Pretty easy. 
Awesome. Yep. Well, both of those will be in the show notes. And um, thank you so much for talking. Yeah. Uh, oh, great. Um, no, Ian, thank you so much for this opportunity. And yeah, everyone, do the best you can. Let's make every day better. And take care of yourself and your family right now. This is an important time. Big Feet is a production of The Impact and produced by me, Ian Sumner. Music is by Saru Pujari. Check out our whole publication along with our other podcasts at readtheimpact.com. We'll be back next week.